Glory to Jesus Christ. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their histories, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is a story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith, courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianpublications.com. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Lawyer, your host. Before we begin, I would like to say hello and thank you to another listener who sent a very kind letter to us here at Light of the East. We always enjoy getting letters and emails. Our email is taborlife at earthlink.net, taborlife at earthlink.net. I'd like to thank Barbara Van Asdlen for her kind letter to us here at Light of the East. I also want to say hello to a few other people. As always, our usual listeners and great supporters, those who have been with us, who have supported us in prayer and just an encouragement for, well, gee, from the beginning, especially our good friend Charles Cook of Saginaw, Michigan, who got it all started for us. I'd also like to say hello to Catherine, Kathy from the Strohmeyer family. I met up with Kathy this week, recently, actually. It was, regrettably, it was at the funeral of her father, and Kathy told me that she listens to Light of the East. I didn't realize that. So she's out of the Youngstown, Ohio area. So I want to thank you, Kathy, that you listen to us here at Light of the East. And also, I'd like to say hello to my Aunt Martha, who I believe is listening to us right here now on Light of the East. Hello, Aunt Martha. Thank you for all of your wonderful example throughout my whole life. My Aunt Martha is going to be 90 years old this month. Her birthday is actually on the same day as my mother's, which is March 22nd. So hello to all of you and to all of you who are listening. All of you have been good friends of us here at Light of the East for so many years. I'd like to give a shout out to our listeners hearing us on EW10 Radio, EW10 Radio Plus, EWTN Sky Radio, and EWTN Shortwave. And I mentioned a number of women just now, and maybe that's providential. That's certainly appropriate, because today in the Byzantine liturgical calendar, this is the feast of St. Mary of Egypt. Now, it's not her usual feast day. That's April 1st. That's her specific feast day. But she's also featured this Sunday as a special woman of asceticism. Last Sunday, it was St. John Climacus, a man, of course. And this week, it is St. Mary of Egypt. 
So it's interesting how the Byzantine liturgical calendar features a man and a woman. Might seem rather contemporary today, (laughs) but we do so in the liturgical calendar. And both of these figures are put before us once again as great examples of asceticism, of those who practice what we're supposedly, hopefully practicing with great vigor during this Lenten season, the practice of fasting, abstinence from foods, and also from impure thoughts, you know, anger, lustful thoughts, and all kinds of desires, envy, gossip, all kinds of fallen passions we fast from, not just from food. We increase our prayer and we increase our charity. A little bit about St. Mary of Egypt, and again, we're referring to our classic book, The Lenten Trodian, says that her life was recounted by St. Sophronius, who was the patriarch of Jerusalem. As I mentioned, it is read during the great canon of St. Andrew of Crete. In her youth, St. Mary lived in a dissolute and sinful way at Alexandria. She was drawn by curiosity and journeyed with some pilgrims to Jerusalem, arriving in time for the Feast of the Exaltation of the Cross. But when she tried to enter the Church of the Holy Sepulchre with the others, an invisible force thrust her back at the threshold. This happened three or four times. Brought to sudden contrition by this strange experience, she prayed all night with tears to the Mother of God, And the next morning, she found to her joy that she could enter the church without difficulty. After venerating the cross, she left Jerusalem on that same day, made her way over the Jordan, and settled as a solitary in a remote region of the desert. Here for 47 years, she remained hidden from the world until she was eventually found by the ascetic St. Zosimus, who was able to give her Holy Communion shortly before her death. Now, this is a fascinating story. It's really a story of high drama, but also of great spirituality. The dialogue between St. Sophronius and Mary of Egypt is of the highest character, and it is of great, great insight. So it's a rich part of our tradition in the Byzantine church during the Lenten season to feature St. Mary of Egypt. But there's another young lady I'd like to feature today on our program. She's another ascetic, another mystic, and her name is Sister Miriam Teresa Demyanovich. In fact, to be specific or most correct, she is now Blessed Miriam Teresa Demyanovich. This young lady, because I say young because she died at age 26, she was born a Byzantine Catholic at our parish in Bayonne, New Jersey on March 26, 1901, and she died on Sunday, May 8, 1927. So as you can see, she was only 26 years old, and she joined the Sisters of Charity, a religious order, and she was there as a novice for just two years before she died. In fact, she took her final vows on her deathbed. Well, her spiritual director, an abbot who would give weekly conferences to the nuns of her order, recognized that this young lady had very special abilities, a very deep spirituality. He recognized her ascetical and mystical spirituality. And what he did was he asked her to ghostwrite his conferences that he would give to the other sisters every week, the novices. So she did. But he told Sister Miriam not to let anyone know that it was her writings, her spirituality that he was conveying. Well, when she finally died, it was only after then that the abbot revealed with a simple note on the wall of the monastery that the conferences he gave during those years were actually written by Sister Miriam Teresa Demyanovich. I recently conducted a retreat for women based on her spirituality, 
And she offers something for us today, on this particular day, when we commemorate St. Mary of Egypt, because like St. Mary of Egypt, she has something to say about what I would call spiritual desolation. Something that, if we're serious about the spiritual life, even if we're not so serious about it, we experience this whether we realize it or not. It's just that if we're serious about the spiritual life, we're, we're students or practitioners of spirituality, and we rely on great spiritual people who came before us, we know that we go through periods of a desolation, a darkness. It seems like Christ is sometimes so far away that God is not listening. Sometimes the great spiritual masters would call this the dark night of the soul, but it can be other kinds of experiences as well that just somehow somehow seem to keep us feeling distant from God, unfulfilled, like he's abandoned us somehow, which is sort of a, almost like a spiritual blasé. Well, Sister Miriam Teresa Demjanovic has some interesting things to offer to us in regard to this desolation, some spiritual insights. And I think it's a good thing to focus on during this time of Lent, because many of us might even be feeling this now, especially if you have been really taking the fasting and the prayer and the repentance seriously. A spiritual desolation is actually a good sign. It's a good sign in the sense that we are being very serious about the spiritual life. This is one of these things that we will encounter when we really embrace the spiritual life that journey towards God very seriously. It would seem kind of ironic, like why would we have times of dryness or desolation? Well, it is very much a part of the journey, and this young lady, this sister, Miriam Teresa, has some things to offer to us. And what she does is she uses an example she refers to, as she does in her writings, very, very with great expertise. She refers to a passage of Scripture. In this case, it's the story of the calming of the storm. Remember that story with Jesus on the boat? It's in Matthew chapter 8, verse 23. He got into a boat, and his disciples followed him. Suddenly, a violent storm came up on the sea, so the boat was being swamped by waves, but he was asleep. They came and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we are perishing. He said to them, Why are you terrified, O you of little faith? Then he got up, rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was great calm. The men were amazed and said, What sort of man is this, whom even the winds and the sea obey? Sister Miriam uses that as a backdrop to her insights on the experience of desolation that we oftentimes experience in our prayer and our spiritual life. And in the beginning of her comments on that. This is in her writings called Greater Perfection. She says this, the boat which Jesus has entered is the innermost sanctuary of the soul, the secret citadel of the spirit where God dwells. The soul itself is the sea. Only the comparison is very imperfect because the boat is something apart from the sea and differs from it essentially, whereas the center of the soul in which God resides is the very core, or if I may so call it, of its being. Bear this distinction in mind, please. This dwelling place of the omnipotent is so secret that ordinarily it is unknown to the soul itself. But every effort made by the soul to perfect itself, however fruitless it may seem, necessarily and infallibly must bring the created spirit closer to its uncreated origin, who inhabits it in all the amazing splendor of his divinity. We're going to have some more wisdom from Sister Miriam Teresa Demjanovic on this issue of desolation in prayer in the spiritual life. When we return, I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. 
Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern Lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. And then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. As a married couple, how would you like to give each other the gift of love itself? Then this is for you. Hello, I'm Father Thomas J. Loya, and I am inviting husbands and wives to join me and the team of the Tabor Life Institute at St. Basil's Parish in Sterling Heights, Michigan on Saturday, April 30th for Embracing the Mystery, a day of recollection for married couples. Our presentation weds together the sacramental liturgical worldview of Byzantine spirituality and St. John Paul II's Theology of the Body to rediscover the why of marriage so as to know the how of a happy sacramental marriage. We will also integrate what goes on in church with what should go on in our homes. For information and to register, visit TaborLife.org. That's TaborLife.org. Or call 708-645-0762. 708-645-0762. For Embracing the Mystery, a day of recollection for married couples. You're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. It's not a partisan issue. John Kasich, Ted Cruz, and Marco Rubio have declared it genocide. Hillary Clinton has too. A majority of the American people agree. This is what Christians and other religious minorities are facing at the hands of ISIS in the Middle East. But the State Department still hasn't labeled this extermination what it is. It's time for action. Sign the petition at StopTheChristianGenocide.org. A message from the Knights of Columbus. Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Lawyer, your host. We're looking at the wisdom of a young lady who is declared blessed, a Byzantine Catholic, who joined the Order of the Sisters of Charity. Her name is Sister Miriam Teresa Demjanovic, and she's helping us to understand what we might be experiencing at this time during Lent, but we might experience it any time in our spiritual life, especially if we're seriously embracing the life of prayer and holiness. It's called spiritual desolation. Uh, Sister Miriam is using the story of Christ on the boat during the storm as a background for her insights. And what she also continues to say to us is this, and this is again from her writings called Greater Perfection. What most of those who are not yet deeply experienced in the spiritual life fail to realize and therefore fail to understand is, in the words of Thomas Kempis in the book of The Imitation of Christ, is that I am accustomed to visit my elect in two manner of ways, namely by trial and by consolation. And further, the trial far outweighs the consolation. It must, because we are as yet in exile. We are here to be purified, refined, and made perfect. And perfection can be acquired only by suffering. There is no other way. We are not perfect because we are not willing to suffer. Sister Miriam also says this, What is our real difficulty? She said, we fail to submit to God's providence. We fail to be resigned to his will that had been marked out for us. Why? Why? But he was asleep. He seemed like he was asleep. It seemed like God was asleep. 
In fact, he was in this story of Christ in the boat with the apostles during the storm. God withdrew the consolation, Sister Miriam says, the sensible fervor we had yesterday to see how we could act. Yesterday, it was he who really did all for us. And today, when we had only the stick left after having eagerly consumed the candy, we made a face and pouted. The candy had been tasty and sweet, but the stick was hard and stiff. Yet, if we had disposed ourselves properly, we might have found a few grains of the sweet adhering to the stick, or at least a hint of the original flavor. For, and this is the mark of a truly spiritual man, whom the winds of sensible consolation do not bowl over, the flavor continues. That is, the relish for God's work continues in the midst of darkness and desolation. The adhesion of the will to His, its steadfast turning to Him, is not lacking in the minutes. And there may be sixty in each hour when everything goes awry. Okay, just to comment a little bit on her comments, what she's saying is, and I think it's very interesting and helpful for us, is basically not to be afraid or too anxious about these times of desolation, which everybody has. They just don't realize it. They don't realize really what it is that's going on. And she's saying that actually this is God's way of developing us. It's easy to be excited about God, to feel close to God. And by the way, she speaks a lot about feelings, about not equating prayer and the spiritual life just with feelings. We tend to do that today as well. She said it's not about necessarily the good feelings. Yes, God does allow that for us. He does allow us these times when we just seem to know and feel his presence very, very closely, very sweetly, as she said, using the analogy of candy on a stick. But sometimes he just gives us the stick, and so we pout. We kind of get mad at God. We stop praying. We think that there's something wrong with us or something wrong with God. He seems to be, like in the scripture passage from Matthew chapter 8, he seems to be asleep in the boat. But, she says, the stick that the candy was on might have a little bit of sweetness too if we are open to seeking that and sensing that, that the stick itself ordinarily what might seem the distasteful or sort of empty, unexciting part, actually is very much a part of our spiritual life. And Christ allows that stick. He sometimes, of course, allows the candy. But we tend to want just the sweetness. We want that closest, and then we think everything's going okay. But the darkness, the stick, the dryness is also very much a part of our spirituality. And she has something else to say about that. So listen to these words. God is testing the soul to discover whether it love him for himself or his gifts that he must know before he can admit it further into the garden of delights, which is himself. He wants to find out whether the soul's love is selfish love or a pure love. The way we act under fire tells him all. Remember, we love God with the will, not with the feelings. God designedly takes the feelings away to discover our real self to us and to him. If we are in earnest... If our love of God is pure, if we love him for himself alone, we shall be more than careful in time of darkness to show him all those proofs of affection we showered on him when the sun was shining brightly. But if our love is a mixture, then we give up the struggle before we have really begun, because we have been seeking self. We have been seeking the delights, yes, the spiritual delights, which God can and does give. We were certain that we had been loving God for himself. But the test shows that we have been loving him for ourselves. The selfish soul will never arrive at intimate union with God. The selfish soul will never arrive because it shrinks from suffering. 
and suffering and sanctity are synonymous. This is infallibly true. We must expect that the darkness is going to last longer, much longer than the sunshine. We are here to be purged, purified, refined, made godlike. And the more there is to be cast out, the more exalted the degree of union we shall, with God's all-powerful grace, attain. The longer and more searching will the cleansing be. There is nothing to fear, for he who has overcome the world is at our right hand, his arm around us. Many people get up to this point and never get beyond it because they act like the shrinking of the disciples. Lord, save us! We're going to perish, they cry, awakening him. They think themselves lost because all sense of feeling is gone. He awakens and says to the turbulent waves, says sadly with wistful face, Peace, be still. Immediately there comes a great calm. The soul is satisfied and thinks it has gained much because it feels that all is well with it. Now, we can see here what Miriam is trying to do. She's using this analogy that we often experience of Christ seemingly to be asleep. He seems to be asleep, and there he is asleep in the boat in the gospel. It's a very good parable she chose, I think, for this analogy. But in being asleep, what he's doing is he's allowing the apostles to test their own faith and test their love in him. And that's why he wakes up and says, Why are you terrified, O you of little faith? I mean, Christ, he's God, he's in the boat with them. What do they have to be afraid of? But they are, just like you and I. So sometimes God, quote-unquote, sleeps to allow us to prove or to test our love for him and to reveal something about ourselves. I think it's a fascinating insight from Sister Miriam Teresa. Now, also, she says this about God's love. We worry too little about our spiritual growth. Many of us are apt to undertake it, but haltingly. And we will get out of it only what we put in. To be consistent, the fighting must be persistent. If we want to accomplish anything, applying ourselves now and again, when we feel in the mood, will never obtain results. At least not very many. Remove all consideration for feelings and all feelings of consideration for self. Sounds easy, but try it. Remember, he who has God has everything plus what he needs. A word of warning must here be given. Do not confuse visions and revelations and locutions and ecstasies and the gift of tears with the essential part of perfection. All these things mentioned are accidental to the state, that is. They are not necessary. Perfection consists in the oneness, or rather I should have said, in the oneing of the mind and will with the divine intellect and will. And here is another point. It is possible for a soul to obtain this end and not be conscious of it. It is not necessary. God has his own reason for disclosing to a soul its state of intimate union with him or withholding that knowledge until it is in the added possession of the glory of the beatific vision. Remembering this, our hope and desire should be as vast as God himself. But one thing is necessary, faith and faith and faith. And sanctity is the perfection of faith. You do not understand God grant that someday you will. Some interesting insights from a young, blessed lady, Miriam Teresa Demjanovic, a Byzantine Catholic who became a member of the Sisters of Charity. Thank you for listening. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. To hear Light of the East again, visit byzantinecatholic.com and click on the Features and Programs tab and on iTunes. 
Light of the East is produced by ADC Media. It's not a partisan issue. John Kasich, Ted Cruz, and Marco Rubio have declared it genocide. Hillary Clinton has too. A majority of the American people agree. This is what Christians and other religious minorities are facing at the hands of ISIS in the Middle East. But the State Department still hasn't labeled this extermination what it is. It's time for action. Sign the petition at StopTheChristianGenocide.org. A message from the Knights of Columbus. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the light of the East. To learn more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue Light of the East with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount will be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610 Wilcook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. Or donate online on the homepage of ByzantineCatholic.com. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God grant you many happy years. Oh!